You're listening to the Head Honey Housewives podcast with Diane O'Brien, episode number 23. Good morning, Headhunting Housewives. This is your recruiter, Diane O'Brien. It is Tuesday morning, and I want to talk to you all today about how to find and attract better candidates. So I know in other episodes, I talked about finding and attracting better clients, which is probably where I get the most questions because clients are number one important. But for a lot of you out there, you may be working for a company that's already providing you with the clients. Um, So you have the job orders on your desk and your world is all about how do you find the great candidates. So, you know, there's many areas to start with on this one um, from if you're a beginning recruiter to pretty seasoned. And the reason that's a difference is luckily, the one nice thing about getting older as time goes by, your network grows and people I think automatically Um, seem to come and find you more than when you're out trying to find them. But let me start from the beginning as if you're newbie to recruiting and you got a job order on your desk and you have to find this candidate. So the first thing they'll teach you when you're like in sourcing, they call it, right? You might start as a sourcer because you're in research mode. You are sourcing qualified candidates. You are going on all the job boards. You're learning something called Boolean strings, which is where when you're doing a search on different job boards, could be LinkedIn, CareerBuilder, um, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, whichever ones they're using and that's popular today. The same thing applies as applied 20 years ago when Monster was the big career board. And what you do, you're putting in a search, of course, um, the kind of title you're looking for, and there's all variations you want to play with on title. And then, of course, location is big, right? So you're going to have zip codes um, that you're looking up. And uh, before you get in the bullion string of exactly the details of the search, remember that zip code is so important because people pop up probably outside the radius of that 10, 20, 30, 40 mile radius, whatever you put in for a commute. Um, and so you want to constantly be checking, have like a map tab open on your computer, constantly checking the location to where you're trying to find the job for, if it's in an office especially. Um, so when you're doing these searches, again, the location, the title, there are variations of the title. So let's say you're looking up um, a manager, okay? Uh, maybe they're in sales, so it's sales manager. Um, maybe it's a sales manager in healthcare, so then you'd be plugging in sales manager in healthcare. Um, what industry is the sales manager in healthcare? Maybe it's insurance you plug in, maybe it's financial. Um, uh, well, I just said healthcare as well. So if you had healthcare, it's still early. So whatever industry that they're in, you would plug that in as well as, um, again, what different variations of the title may be. And you'll have to play with this. There's no direct science. The older you get and the more you do, the better you'll get at it. And and you'll also learn not to over-search or over-put too many um, you know, terms in there that'll limit the people that pop back up. So, you know, the Boolean strings is where you'll learn, I won't get this kind of the boring stuff, but I'll get into that with Headhunting Housewives groups if you join and want to get into a group to learn about these things in detail. But that's when you learn how to put things in quotes to make sure it's exactly the way you want it to pop up. Like if you wanted it to come up, um, you know, an engineer, let's say you're hiring an IT engineer that knows the software Cobra, you might put things like that in quotes, that they, like they know Cobra, software engineer, um, and you can use the word and in caps, or you put in caps. There's all these little details you have to learn, but you can Google up how to do a Boolean and understand more of how that works. And usually the simpler, the better. So you want to keep it pretty simple with maybe um, just a couple of those. If not, you might limit your search too much. 
But I do narrow my search in the beginning. I make a very, I kind of cast a very small net of people. Um, and then you kind of widen it as your search goes from day to day or week to week, however you do it. Um, so that's the starting point, you know, is how you're kind of hunting and searching out people. And those searches will come back with thousands of people, right? So I know when I was younger, I would be looking at everybody and it would just take forever to find the one good person. And some, for some of you, it is still that way because if, if your company doesn't pay for better tools for you to search, I mean, there are things out there um, between Hoovers or the premium packages on the different job boards. Um, there's another name I can't think of right now. It's not coming to my head. That, but it's packages that you pay for. Recruiters that have the better tools that can spend the money get the candidates faster. That is just the way it is. So I definitely recall being a younger recruiter not understanding why I was doing the same searches, spending hours at night looking for a certain candidate. And the next day, one of the VPs at the firm was finding it instantly. Later to come to find out, he had this like premium seat that, you know, was getting him the people um, that we could see were open to opportunities and different things that I didn't even have access to. I didn't even know about. <laughs> so the level, the playing field is not level, right? So you want to make sure you know about these different tools and packages and that um, you're having ideally your clients or company pay for them for you. If you're at a corporation... And if you're new to a company learning recruiting, you want them to invest in you, that premium package. And even for me now, as a recruiter of my own business all these years, I still would have my client pay for that. 99% of the time they do. I think once in a while I had to go out and spend, you know, the 5000 for LinkedIn or back then it was 10000 for the job board uh, monster career builder. But nowadays, um, you could have them pay for it when you prove yourself as a good recruiter. And if not, and you're starting, like back in the day when I was starting, there are ways to minimize that cost by pulling together other recruiters in your area, or even nationally, I used to pull them, and then form your own little purchasing group. So have five recruiters that need to get on a job board, you be the person that signs, you have to trust these five people, and you all split it, they pay you. Now you might get one seat, you have to be careful of timing, and or maybe you can get two seats for more money. So we can spend a whole time on the whole job board thing and um, contracts and costs later on. But as far as finding candidates, that's going to be a big part of your world, right? So you're doing these searches and in that sense, you're hunting and looking for the person. And that's my favorite way to do it. I've never been a big person liking to like posting. I've come around to that because it's gotten a lot better in recent years. So I actually have used it now the past few years. In the past, every time I used it, I would get so much junk, it wasn't worth the posting. I would just rather spend my time searching and hunting and finding the exact person I want to call. Because if you have a lot of people calling you that aren't any good, it takes you forever to weed through all the junk and it's taking up your time just having to see who's calling you or, or especially if you're answering every phone call, that's no good because they're they're taking up your time. They're not the right fit. So you really want to take the time to see who your candidate pool is by seeing those resumes or LinkedIn profiles and slowly deciding where you're going to spend your time on the phone because that takes a lot more energy and you want to limit that, I think, to the good people, right? So I know if you're starting, you might be doing a lot more phone calls in the morning and afternoon than later on. Um, I don't do as many now. I can really hunt through and really see behind the resume who's going to be a fit. But the phone calls will always be necessary. 
Um, but when you get good at it, you can also cover a lot via text, via LinkedIn chat, via the job boards questioning on Indeed as well. If you're posting on Indeed, if they respond, again, they have a nice organization. It's organized way better than it used to be where you can reply back to one candidate or many with messages, helping you screen out before that phone call is made. And for me, my experience, that's been very important to find the better candidate faster and leveraging my time along with what the job board's providing. Um, assessments are something else we can talk about. I'm not, I know assessments can be good. Um, I've used, gosh, probably 10, maybe 20 different ones through the years, and they're always changing and coming out with new assessments. Some clients love them, some don't. As a recruiter, I tend, you know, they are helpful to clients, but you just want to make sure that they're, you know, using it as a tool for hiring and not a reason not to hire someone. Um, because I am living proof and I've seen where, I've had a candidate flunk out on a certain assessment um, and didn't get hired at one company, got hired at another company, didn't care about that, and was super successful. If only the other company knew what they had just given up, right? Um, so you really want to use it as a tool. And these assessments can be, I'm talking about personality tasks. They also have analytical tasks, um, intelligence tasks, all kinds of things. And it's funny, I remember even myself talking of personal experience. Early on when I was a sales girl and recruiter, I was given a lot of those tests. I don't let my dog outside here. Um, and when it was a personality test, trying to find if I'd be good in sales, that's where a lot of the companies did it, I would pass with flying colors. In fact, one of the companies wanted to use my feedback, my score, and the template of what they were looking for in additional sales reps. He's like, Diane, find more sales reps like, like you. That's part of what made him want me to be a recruiter for his firm when I was a sales girl for him. Um, so, you know, so that was lucky, right? And there were things that did match a lot and great. So whenever after that, I would take assessments for myself if I was back in the day when I was still in sales or even later when I was partnering with companies, they wanted to assess my, um, you know, background, whether it was personality or cognitive. And I would always be like, oh, I passed these with flying colors, no problem. And probably for 10 of them, I did. And then there was one years ago that um, was testing math, math, science. I don't know why. I think I was trying to think what I was partnering for them with. I think actually it was recruiting a talent acquisition director. And, um, and they did warn me not to do it on my cell phone, but I've done so many. I, I did it on my cell phone. And then as I was doing it, um, you couldn't see the whole page on your cell phone. That's why they wanted you not even to have a laptop. They wanted you to have like a, a, a regular computer, which I haven't owned a regular computer desktop in 20 years. I've gone always on my laptop. And they were saying, don't use a laptop, which right there was so ridiculous, much less my phone. So that was the first one I ever failed. <laughs> I know it was the math too. Uh, there, so I had no time for it. I was, just, I, I was impatient. So anyway, point being, um, as long as companies understand not to use that for, um, you know, the only reason to base their um, decision on, you need to talk to the person, make sure they're being tested for what the job is. Who's giving a math test to someone like in sales? Unless it's basic math, I get it, but the real analytical stuff or um, I understand for IT or engineering. So anyway, assessments will be part of finding great candidates and you might use them yourself in your company. I have as well as a recruiter, the good ones that I liked for baseline, Right. Um, so that's part of it, and your your clients might want that as well. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, and again, there's so many different directions in finding good candidates and how for them to find you, that I'll go deeper and deeper with you, and of course, get much more deeper in kind of secrets of the trade there um, in the groups when I'm trying to help you really uh, figure it out. But for the purposes of staying more high level for the, this podcast and it's helping you, something else that can be a helpful tip is that 
when you do a posting, for instance, I have um, a bunch of hiring I'm doing right now for a team. So I am using Indeed postings because I'm hiring at all levels from base level to executive level for this firm. So obviously executives, usually I don't get as many on Indeed. It might be Glassdoor or on the LinkedIn premiums. But um, for some of the beginning um, uh, openings for recruiters, especially that I'm hiring, sourcers, like I'm talking about people that are learning to source uh, and interviewers, um, they can be on the Indeed. Um, now when you post on Indeed, like I said, you get thousands of resumes back. So usually they'll sit in my inbox while I'm more on the LinkedIn, um, because I just feel like it's a better software. I'm paying for this premium package that works really well or my client's paying. Um, so I spend more of my time there. So usually the people on Indeed, if they're not on LinkedIn, it's a little bit of a knock against them. That's why I think everyone should be on LinkedIn. Um, but they kind of have to find me. So if they're applying, they're not hearing anything back. You'll often hear people complain about recruiters and how they apply, never hear anything. It's not because they don't want to get to you or you're not qualified. There's just so much coming into their inbox, and this is especially true of recruiting firms. Um, and I'm sorry, corporate firms where they have a talent acquisition department where they're not using an outside recruiter for help. If, like you might as well forget it. If you're putting an, uh, your resume on their website or just a posting, you might never hear from them. That's where recruiters can really help you kind of get in the door because they're a little quicker in how they respond. But even for recruiters, I'm giving myself as an example, those resumes sit in my desk. Half of them I may ne never see. I might fill my job of 20 recruiters before even seeing all the people that apply to me. I'm, I'm trying to quickly screen and get off, take the best off the top. But often what will happen, this has been, again, true to my experience even to this day, and this was true 15 years ago, the people that find me and then call me um, or email me, if they took that initiative and that drive and had that energy and foresight to do so, I usually give them my time, even if it's for five minutes. And, um, you know, often they're the good ones, right? They want the job for, for any job. And it doesn't matter what you're hiring for. If you're looking for sales, recruiting, uh, operational people, um, engineers, IT, any job, you know, one thing all the companies want to make sure is, is that as far as the skill sets off the resume, they're looking for great energy and drive and initiative, things to help grow the company. In most positions, again, that I hire for in my corporate world, Again, if you're hiring doctors, um, maybe lawyers, you still want pieces of that, but it's going to be different, okay? So I'm really speaking to my experience, and my world has often been in the sales and performance and people with energy and drive. That's kind of been where I hire, um, where my niche, in all the different industries, that kind of person. So yours might be a little different there, but whatever that is that's not on the resume and then, um, and again, for this, I'm looking for drive. So when they're finding me on their own, that's a major plus. And when they're persistent, that's a plus. When they do great follow-up, that's a plus. All those are things, you know, in the relationship kind of service industry that you want in somebody working for your company. So that really helps to weed out because instead of me, think about it as a recruiter, spending a morning or afternoon, days, weeks, going through every race every resume that's come my way, if they just sit for a little while, right, a week maybe, people will find you that should be automatically rising to the top. And this is where I kind of feel like when I talk about there's more to recruiting than just you and your desk and your brain connecting the dots from candidate to corporate or to your client, I do believe, again, in recruiting, there's something else at play in helping people be positioned where they're supposed to be in life and find that right job that's a match 
that happens for some reason. Um, it's coming to your desk to help make it happen, but there's something going on in the ether or whatever you want to call it, pulling those two forces together, for, I think, for a better purpose. Your job is to facilitate that with ease um, and kind of harmony, let it flow simply um, so everyone's happy. So let the process happen. Don't force it is what I'm saying. I know that's harder if you're starting out. I think those of you who've been doing this 15, 20 years get it more. And that's often why you see a recruiter's progression like myself. You might start in sourcing, go all the way through recruiting, and then even get into executive and retained because you're talking about a lot fewer people, but you realize the right people kind of rise to the top and are attracted to you as well while you're out there looking for it. It's like you put it out there, there's this job available, and then people miraculously find you. <laughs> um, so use that to your benefit as early as you can in your recruiting career as well. So let me think. So as far as other things on finding candidates, what I find helpful, I'll speak to something else here. And this is regarding scheduling. I talked a little bit about this probably even on the client side and how they treat you, but the candidate is as well. Flexibility. And again, this probably again goes to my niche and where I recruit. So if you're also in the service industry or sales, recruiting, um, you know, wanting, they're wanting something for a company that um, has all these skill sets, you're going to see all these skill sets in your relationship with them as you're recruiting them. So you don't want to force it too much. So if flexibility is important, when you're asking them about when they're available for the phone screen or face-to-face, how flexible are they? Are they really rigid? Do they stick to what they tell you originally? Are they changing the dates? Are they not organized? Are they not coming prepared? Um, you know, there's a difference in what certain recruiters think about how much you should prep or coach somebody before going into an interview. We'll talk about different schools of thought on that and what I found has worked the best. But for now, just you want to keep it simple and see how they're treating you with the process, how organized they are on their own, how prepared they are on their own. Um, so again, you let it happen naturally. Um, and then you'll get some inklings within the scheduling process, even to who the great candidates will be for the client. Um, and it's weird being the recruiter, you can see a lot of this behind the scenes stuff that your client cannot see because all they might see is first the resume. They don't know how this candidate found you, right? Or if you found them. So you're going to know some insights the client won't. Then when they go to meet them, all they see is the candidate showing up in their office one day. They don't have all the insight you have of maybe the five different candidates you were trying to schedule, two were a pain in the butt, one was super simple and flexible and fun to work with, one wasn't. So they're not getting all those insights. And that's why recruiters, where often the client will think you're kind of spooky and have like a sixth sense, really, it might come, it might be a little intuition, but really you're just watching who people are <laughs> and how they show up and then listening to that, not trying to change them, not trying to prep them to help you get the sale, just letting it flow and paying attention. And, and you kind of, it does give you like an intuition. Um, and then from there, you also have other insights into the money they're making, right? What they want to make. So by the time the client is maybe at the last step of liking certain candidates and want to make offers, you have all this insight where you know from day one what they said maybe they were making and they want to make. Um, and again, remember, it's not legal in like New York and different places to ask what they're making, but many candidates will tell you. Um, and you can ask what they desire and just say, they, they can tell you whatever they're comfortable as far as what they're looking to earn. And often they'll, they'll share if they want to share, right? And that also gives you a lot into someone's background and confidence and, and what they're, you know, you want to know what they're wanting. If they're scared to talk about money at all, they don't, don't want to even say what they're looking for. That might be a flag. I know a lot of people say don't throw a number out first, and that's fine in some negotiating things. But when the recruiter is on your side, especially an independent recruiter, um, 
you know, most, I've had really good luck with most candidates as being very forthcoming with me. And that really helps me help them later on. Um, so, you know, you're gonna have all these different insights through the scheduling process. And at each step, you're gonna find out again, how they're treating you. I mean, some people or candidates, you know, once you have them to the company, you might never hear from them again. That's not really going to be great probably for them at the end if they want the best offer. Um, some will drop off naturally, but the ones that kind of usually stick with you and um, utilize your relationship to help them, you can help each other, gets the deal to close. So kind of seek out those candidates um, and they'll kind of stick with you automatically, but set the stage for that early on, you know, explain how you're there and how you're there to help if any concerns come up, please be sure to give me a call so we can talk through it because concerns will come up. Cold feet does come up during a hiring process. Kind of explain all that early on the same way you kind of let the you know clients know like we talked about certain things early on. So you're setting the stage so that you're you know kind of alleviating any concerns that could come up or problems by really setting the stage and the table really well going into it. You're holding their hand all along and then until the very end until you're negotiating the offer closing the deal, even after the start date starts, I keep in touch with people three, six months, a year out. And especially for your recruiters that are on contracts where um, they're guaranteed for a year, you know, that's in your best interest to make sure those candidates are happy a year in. But even for me, that my contracts are much less now as far as guarantees, but, um, you know, I still keep in touch because you want a happy client. You want a happy candidate because those happy candidates, by the way, will become your future future clients. So never forget that. If I never, if I would have known that, I mean, luckily, I've always treated the, my candidates with the same respect as a client, but so many of the candidates that I hired, you know, 15, 20 years ago, have their own companies, they're their own CEOs now, they're in hiring management positions, and they came back to me to hire their teams or they, you know, their company needed a VP of sales. So again, it's all about your network and your reputation. So think of that with every candidate as well, not just your clients. So every morning here, I usually drink my coffee and talking to you, my mouth is going dry. So I think that probably means I'm about done this episode because <laughs> I need to get back to my coffee. Um, and the, and the sun is more, uh, is higher than usual. So I'm going to be a little running a little bit later today. So, um, I hope that is very helpful when it comes to all you recruiters out there learning about how to find great candidates for all you housewives, just learning more about recruiting. It is so fun. Sometimes I know I get in these detail calls where I want to give more tactical information to my recruiters out there wanting to learn. But for you wanting to learn about it, I know it sounds like a lot of detail. And trust me, I'm not a detail gal, like I mentioned. <laughs> I like to keep things pretty high level. But you got to dive into details a little bit, especially when you're learning it. And um, and there have been years I've just taken myself completely out of the details, hiring recruiters, let them do it all. But, you know, I like a certain level of staying connected to how things are done. So I never, you know, lose sight of how the best tool, the best tools are out there to recruit. So I'm on top of it. So I think I'll always keep recruiting and getting into the weeds a little bit, even though I totally prefer high level in the sky thinking, right, about the bigger picture. So don't worry, as long as you keep that balance, you might get into the weeds for a couple hours of your day when you have to, but you have those boundaries to talk about where you kind of come up for air and you're looking at the big picture and then it'll flow smoothly. And so it is a lot of fun because when you're talking to people, all that is the fun stuff where the time goes by, the details you'll get good at and you'll get a lot quicker at viewing resumes super fast. It won't be tedious. All these tedious details I talk about that 
seem a little maybe overwhelming in the beginning, they'll become like second nature later. And then you're just dealing with the fun part of your job all the time. So I hope that gives a little inspiration to you. Headhunting housewives might be new and this seems like too much info. <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm you. Um, I'll keep tomorrow's maybe a little more high level and inspirational or talk about mindset. But um, this is for your recruiters that's needing tactics on how to get the better candidates. And later when I get back to this subject, I'll talk about more about how to attract those candidates, um, the better ones again, and, and just more, I'll go deeper. Um, and again, if you haven't yet, go to Headhunting Housewives to sign up so you're on my radar. If you want to join our weekly groups to kind of dive into this more, um, and then I'm putting together a program for 2Q. So just get on my waiting list for that. Uh, so everyone have a great, great Tuesday. I know we're in the early week here, so it's probably busy. At least Tuesdays are for me. But then tomorrow's already midweek and it's going to be a little easier. So work hard today. It's, uh, again, cold and winter here anyway. I have nothing else better <laughs> to do. <laughs> that sounds sad. But um, again, this spring I will. But um, this is first quarter. So let's bang out all this great placements, make the great money, ladies. And then spring, you can slow down if you want to, right? Or not, whatever, whatever you want. So have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come join us over at headhuntinghousewives.com. It is completely free to join and we offer lots of great advice, support, and even a little inspiration. So please come join us at headhuntinghousewives.com. That is housewives with a V.com. And yes, this still is for you men as well. Hope to see you all there.